Welcome to the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. I'm your host, Mark Gleason, a plant pathologist at Iowa State University. I'm also the leader of a USDA-funded research and outreach project that's looking for more efficient and lower-cost ways to protect apples against diseases and insect pests. The project includes scientists, students, and growers in Iowa and Ohio. All right. Well, our podcast guest uh, today um, is uh, Dr. Wendong Zhang, who's an associate professor and extension economist at Iowa State University. And uh, he is involved in the uh, CPBM project on the uh, intelligent sprayer and warning systems for apples. And uh, a subject that we wanted to bring up that is something that um, fits neatly in the wheelhouse of economists. Uh, they call it externalities. And uh, because it's e economics, we're talking money here. So it should, it should certainly be of interest to everyone. Uh, so um, maybe you could just describe for listeners, uh, Wendong, what exactly is, do economists mean by externalities? Yeah, so um, Mark, um, as you mentioned, I'm really glad to be part of the pro um, project. I actually went to Ohio State, so it's great to work with people from Ohio as well. And um, and so when you are thinking about externality, you can almost break the word into the part that it's it's uh, the, the factor that is external to your production or consumption process, right? So it's a, that hence the word externality. There are some classical examples that one of them that could come from uh, two different types that, that could be negative externality, it could be positive externality. So one of the examples of the negative externality could be that if you are a, a producer, a farmer in Iowa, and you or you are a Ames resident, you are applying fertilizer in your lawn, you are applying fertilizer in your cornfields, and this eventually goes to the streams and Mississippi River and goes and contributes to the nutrients problems that we have that leads to what is known as uh, um, the Gulf Mexico hypoxic zone, that the zone that was low or no oxygen where the fish uh, potentially could die or the recreational opportunity could be um, worsened because of the overflow uh, of the nutrients, which creates harmful algal blooms and the algae um, blankets you see in, even in Iowa lakes. So that's one of the example of the negative externality that is not only unique to uh, Gulf, Gulf Mexico, that this is actually very, uh, very prominent issues in Lake Erie, where in 2014, that this is so bad, this um, uh, led to the shutdown of the drinking water plants in city of Toledo for about two, three days and led to the National Guards distributing bottled waters to the 11 million uh, residents affected by that. And you could also see that in my home country, China, that, um, that, that this is the similar problem happening as well, that your action could potentially lead to water quality problem, but even thinking about that you 
uh, in uh, to to grow your apples, you need irrigation in China, and you potentially could overdraft the aquifer and affects not only your intake, um, which increase your irrigation cost, but also could potentially lead to the drawdown, gradual drawdown of the aquifer water levels that affects the neighboring county or even neighboring provinces. Uh, water available, uh, water availability as well. So that's that's also negative externality. Um, uh, however, this can also be positive externality that you think that potentially, if you are a gardener, master gardener, or you are apple grower, that your neighbor is a beekeeper, right? So the fact that your neighbor is a beekeeper is that you have another source of pollinator nearby that could potentially could help supply the pollination services for your uh, crops and for your flowers that that would bring benefits to your um, to your crop but not necessarily the intent to why your neighbor has a bee um, the the bee box in, in their in a beehive seeing their backyard. So they are not necessarily thinking about, I'm going to grow bees because I want more pollination for my neighbor's flowers, right? So, but that's the positive nectar externality that you're, you're thinking. And uh, so more frequently when people describe externality, uh, most, most of the case that when you are hearing in the news that, um, most of the cases are externality, negative externality people are talking about is you, you're driving you potentially uh, for the benefit to your consumption and convenience. We drive the car and uh, SUV and you emit the uh, NOx and carbon dioxide into the atmosphere that potentially could lead to air pollution, right? So that affects uh, other people. Um, so, so, but in general, that if you are a grower, you are thinking about that when you are making your production decisions, you are primarily thinking about what are the factors that are internal to your production. So you are thinking about how how much the seed is cost, how much, um, what kind of variety you want to grow, and uh, whether you need to apply pesticide and fertilizer. But beyond that, external to your production, there are still other elements that whether your pesticide could have a chemical drift to could, which affects the milkweed and affects the availability of monarch butterflies, whether this will affects uh, the the house of uh, if you if your orchards is near a stream or something, then uh, and it's right downwind of your farm and uh, right during the day of your chemical application that maybe is not very suitable for the kids to to play right downwind that day. And you, uh, I have someone apply fertilizer on my lawn. They always put a sticker and say that you would need to keep off for at least 24 hours right after the application. So do you think of that that way as well, right? So that, that's part of the externality. Um, but you could also think about that uh, say Iowa is investing a lot on the I-35 uh, corridor, um, building milk milkweeds and growing habitat for the monarch butterflies. Through the through these construction, this could potentially bring externality for you, where 
you could have uh, more poly uh, more uh, natural pollinators uh, that could uh, help your your crop production as well, especially if you're near near that near that path. Right. Well, thanks, uh, Wendong. I think that gives us a nice basis to think about. These are things that really aren't reflected in the costs that that a grower would pay for production or the price that he or she would get for the product and we're thinking about apples here of course because this is an apple project and you know you mentioned the idea of spray drift and um, there's plenty of orchards where where neighbors with you know live nearby the orchards and houses and so there's an interesting dynamic that's set up there and and there have been situations where neighbors get unhappy with spray drift or their perceived uh, smell of, of uh, pesticide and uh, even to the case in some instances where lawsuits can arise. And that's where the negative externalities become internalities, right? Because then uh, the grower has to defend him or herself against that, uh, that type of lawsuit. Hopefully that, you know, um, that hasn't uh, you know, yep. been common, but I suspect it's more common the more people live around orchards. Yeah, so I think Mark, you bring up uh, the, the interesting point. So I, I will get go a little technical. Where so if you think about your internal production, you are thinking about your private benefits and private costs, right? So how much your own production costs? So that's that's private to for for you as a producer. You think about the market prices and yields. So these costs. But there's another element that is that creates created by this wedge or this externality is because there's also a societal cost that if you lease uh, in, in, in the CPPM project, I think at least we're concerned about two aspects. One is whether, say, a chemical drift could potentially lead into um, a reduction in natural pollinator that that or some sort of the ecosystem services that is that that got affected so that that's the 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 general public value the environment and biodiversity and then and the pollinators so so um, some impacts through the apple production uh, mainly through the cap chemicals application affected by that could cause externality, which means that you have another layer of the societal cost added to your uh, cost from the, uh, from the whole society perspective. There's another element is the health, potential health cost as well, not only, um, not only for, for, the for your neighbors, that, as Mark mentioned earlier, but also think about your workers who are handling these chemicals that uh, the long-term exposure to some of the chemicals could potentially uh, has detrimental health impacts um, that these impacts are sometimes quantified as the um, how, how much the you can think of this that if your worker would have to take um, sick leave due to these uh, application either through touching or smelling inhaling these uh, chemicals and those would be some of the measurable uh, health costs that we can quantify. Those will be also the specific elements of the externality that we, our project could add to this analysis as well. So on top of that, which means that you will have potentially the health, in, health cost and the uh, environmental cost that is borne by, not necessarily by yourself, but it's by 
others uh, surrounding your production and downwind or downstream of your production. And that could lead to an increase in the total production cost for your for 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 your for your farm, uh, which mean that you from the society perspective, you may be over applying these chemicals if we are optimizing based on the societal cost uh, benefit cost cost ratio. But for our project, essentially we'll try to quantify uh, primarily it's your um, cost efficiency. We're thinking about whether, for example, this intelligence sprayer could save um, save you production costs, the private production cost, and and also while that's at the same time maintain maybe the same yield and the profits you have, uh, that way give you a, a return on investment in, in a way. So we will, we will do that through the partial budget analysis. But beyond that, we could also quantify through the saved um, application and less spray you have because of because of the uh, the intelligence sprayer, that how much uh, whether we will see a noticeable difference in terms of the environmental benefits through uh, less impacts on pollinators and other ecosystem services, but also potentially on the um, the avoided health expenditure for your workers and the the potential litigation cost for the downwind neighbors and um, surrounding folks. Thanks, Wendong. This is really, uh, you know, you're really doing a nice picture of the whole circle of things that are potentially effective. Just, just to uh, uh, to underline this concept of the intelligence sprayer, which you mentioned, um, it's uh, it's uses lidar. It uses essentially a laser technology, and uh, we we've been testing it, and uh, it uh, it definitely saves on the amount of pesticides. So if you go through an orchard block, you, you'll typically at the same concentration as you would put, put on normally, you'll save about 30 or 40% of the spray volume in an apple orchard and, and, and all the benefits that you mentioned, both the um, cost reduction benefits and, and reduction of the, the externality. So, um, it, you know, it could be argued that, that the people that, that buy apples, uh, depending on who your customers are, may also look favorably on that kind of thing if you're if you're just using less pesticide and essentially there's less drift um, that that may work um, in you know in your favor in terms of marketing um, so, so that's an interesting um, interesting perspective in, in it, when the economists think about these how to quantify the the the, the value of uh, say the value reduced to pesticide there could be multiple ways that you can directly ask people in a way that is called the stated preference. So that you, uh, by, by showing people that you have, um, say, like a, 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 a landscape that is with, um, with, with uh, less biodiversity compared to, say, a landscape with milkweed and monarch and bee bumblebees and things like that that people may review that they are actually be willing to pay either one time or through monthly contributions for these improved uh, biodiversity landscapes so that's stated preference but also there are methods caught uh, through the um, 
revealed preferences as well that you can think of that if you're living uh, closer to a um, lake, if you own a lakefront property and your lake get restored and water quality improve, that got reflected in your housing prices as well. So people people by paying for higher prices, higher housing prices for lakefront property near a better water quality lake, uh, they review that they care about this uh, water quality in a sense that you, another way is what Mark mentioned is that you can think about that if you go to Walmart and sometimes you will see that there are uh, wild caught salmon uh, or cod um, that they say they are sustainably sourced if from the Atlantic or something like that. You, you also see these labels similar like uh, non-GMO or organic apples, right? So it's people do value these labels, especially if they are coming from um, a reputable certified certification program uh, administered by either by USDA or other groups. I, I think that so far it's uh, still rare to see um, um, that say this is, this is, um, this, this statement related to this applied, this is grown on farm that use 40% uh, or less pesticide or insecticide compared to the conventional apple farm or something like that. But you can imagine that the, if these um, uh, become a scale up uh, down the road, this could potentially be another source, a source of the premium as well. You're listening to the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. I'm your host, Mark Gleason. Our three-year project is searching for more profitable and less wasteful ways to control diseases and pests on apples. Now, back to our interview. Yes, and there are some examples. In uh, New England, there are um, a couple of uh, supermarket chains that uh, have assigned a price premium to uh, ecologically grown apples. So there, there are you know, instances where this uh, has gone beyond the individual location and, and you know, gone sort of regional. So there, yeah, there are some possibilities there. The other aspect that um, our project concerns is warning systems, which is basically using the weather, the conditions of the weather day to day to help you time the pesticide spray. So this intelligent sprayer, basically every time you go out and put on pesticide, it's saving you 30, 40% of your volume. But the other aspect, the other technology here, the warning systems is, is a playing a different game. And that is uh, if you can use the weather to, to uh, only apply when the risk of disease or insect is significant, you will actually save sprays. In other words, you'll never get on the sprayer um, because that spray won't be needed according to the weather information. So number of diseases, particularly in some insects, have weather-based warning systems. And we're testing some of those in conjunction with the intelligent sprayer. So those kind of two technologies, the intelligent sprayer saves you volume every time and the warning system saves you on the number of sprays. Um, so we think about uh, you know who pays for these externalities, and you know we've had discussions in this uh, in this project. Uh, Wendong, you may remember about uh, NRCS, you know the National Resource uh, uh, Natural Resource Conservation Service, federal agencies that pays growers to do certain practices or to to su supplements the cost of certain practices on the farm that. 
can reduce pollution and can reduce externalities. Um, things like riparian buffer strips and um, you know um, strip projects where you're putting in the kind of buffers that you described, you know, the pollination buffers and stuff. Um, I don't believe NRCS has gotten to the point of um, subsidizing uh, technologies like warning systems and intelligent sprayers, probably because the uh, crops are not as big as corn and soybeans. They don't cover as many acres and they're not grown by as many growers. We're talking about specialty crops. You know, apples would be one example, but uh, relatively small in terms of acres, but of course important in, in the diet. Another thing that gets lost sometimes, I think, is in, in, the, in the positive externalities for apples is that they're good for you. So if you're an apple grower or you're producing something that actually contributes to um, human health, people consume apples and there's, it's a lot better than, uh, let's just say, pork rinds, uh, not, not to malign pork rinds, but, um, or, or, or pizzas, uh, there's, there's more benefit in, in consumption of fruit uh, to, to human health. And there, there's a, a positive externality that sometimes gets overlooked. So there, I, I think that as Mark mentioned that uh, Mark and I have worked uh, on the warning system and we published articles before, but it's, but in, in that article, we were mainly concerned about the private benefits and cost analysis, not necessarily have have dived into the, the externality world, but I have done research um, uh, in in this broader framework where uh, we're looking at the corn soybean production, but the use of biochar and which actually would be um, probably most useful for either the uh, crop growers in Southeast, uh, Southeast the, the US, US Southeast, where the, the acidity is a problem, or if you're doing high value crop, in, in your garden or in your farm. So these bio, biochar could potentially be, be useful. Where in that, in that study, we actually quantify both the uh, private benefits through improved yields, uh, but also we also quantify the externality, um, the, um, the, the societal benefits where there are this uh, biochar could potentially improve soil health that by wow. improving soil organic carbon and um, and reduced the nitrogen run nitrate runoff. So in that sense, that I'm I'm thinking that for this project we'll be doing somewhat similar things that we will be relying on um, the ecological engineer or agronomist to tell us more about say if you have, uh, or entomologists to tell us how, say, if you have a 40% reduction in, in the pesticide application, how does this translate into the ecosystem services that is affected? That uh, does, can we say this will lead to 20% more bumblebee? Or can we say this will actually lead to, um, um, uh, things like that. Then through the literature, we can find some uh, societal measures of the, um, um, say, uh, there, there are studies which look into how much people value uh, natural insects as a pollinator versus the farmed bees. 
And so there are also studies looking to, there are also existing studies uh, uh, which we could look into, for example, if you have 40% less application, how much uh, of a reduction of risk for your workers could potentially got affected by the pesticide applications. Uh, and uh, there's a term that used to be known as the value of a statistical life. Now, the, the, the economists and the epidemiologists think this is probably a little too confusing um, because that you cannot say um, like a person is living there statistically, right? So they, so they changed the term um, to a more descriptive one that this is the value of reduced mortality risk reduction in mortality risk in a, in a sense that say, if you, if we can say that for the workers, for the, for the five workers working for you and the 40% less um, pesticide application, not only save you money in terms of how less, how much less pesticide you buy, but also potential leads to uh, a two uh, four days of less uh, sick leave or other things like that, then we can use uh, prevailing methods of considering the prevailing wage rates to quantify how much economically beneficial that is um, by quantifying that health cost, health benefits associated with that. Right. So we are, so we we have some some methods to to do that, but as 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 you think, there are some challenges in a sense that we need to have a handle on um, the whole um, what is known as the ecological production function, where how how we can link the pesticide application uh, to to the uh, to the environmental services, to the ecosystem services, especially with pollination, um, but also potentially with the health benefits. And if we also, maybe the environmental engineer could uh, literature also could give us some um, quantification about uh, if you if you reduce this forty percent, uh, if you have forty percent less pesticide application. Um, how meaningful maybe the chemical drift will be uh, reduced by 10% or something like that. So what is the spatial extent? What is the frequency of this that you will actually uh, experience that? Then you can, you can, you can see that maybe uh, in your regular typical production year, uh, you could have uh, every year uh, there could be um, in five incidents of your downwind neighbor could be affected by this within one mile or something like that. But now with this new technology with the intelligence sprayer and the less applications through the warning system, maybe it's just two, right? So, so in that way, then we can, we can, we can potentially uh, try to quantify some monetary values through that. So through all these analysis, all coming with uh, more assumption because uh, this, this is more uncharted territory than that your hardcore number of that we know your dollars and cents uh, for your pesticide to how much pesticide you paid, right? So, but, but this is also an important element of this uh, to get people thinking more about that uh, your your action is not 
you know, isolated bubble that this is part of the whole production scene. And, um, and I think that this is actually probably becoming more and more important as uh, people are pushing for local foods that, that, that if you're thinking about the local foods, your grocery shop owner want to source um, apples within the 50 miles of the, um, uh, of the grocery shop. And often this will be meaning that you are not necessarily growing this, uh, you know, in a very, very rural area. You're growing this is in a, you know, in a near a town or something. So it's that the, the number of people could be affected. Your external neighbors could be more uh, in in these type of environment as well. So I think this is this is gaining traction, these sort of the considerations. Yeah, thanks, my dog. I really like to hear you talk about this because you're, you know, you can, to me, you're a newer breed of economists, this sort of environmental economist thinking about, not that, not that economists have ignored this in the past, but really thinking about the watershed level, ecosystem level ramifications of economic decisions. And, and so, you know, this is really, uh, it, it's a great, um, uh, meshing of those uh, areas it, you know as you as you pointed out uh, frankly it's it's it, it's um, challenging to uh, quantify those externalities I mean if we're talking about something like uh, uh, let's say effects on um, soil microbes or effect on bees those studies are um, are, are laborious and any ecological study will be uh, will, will take a lot of time our, our cppm project right now i would say is sort of at level one we're trying to answer the question of can we save pesticide sprays and and how and if we can do that and not endanger pest uh, and disease control on apples then we have a, a foundation to start looking at, okay, let's see what other natural, you know, maybe natural enemies are benefited. Maybe a pest, uh, maybe a honeybee uh, mortality is less. Uh, a lot of growers have hives uh, on the orchard. Uh, if we're putting on less pesticide, are they suffering less? And uh, that's where the, uh, you know, the bee experts, uh, the entomologists who specialize in that would, would, would come to the fore. So, um, I think this is really, uh, really a stimulating way of thinking of things, and um, it, it's no surprise to growers, apple growers, and other growers that there are costs and consequences beyond the orchard. That's not a surprise, but trying to think about that in a systematic way and how, you know, some of these integrated pest management technologies and actions may um, actually uh, have the potential to. Uh, reduce some of the costs and, 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 and in ways that could potentially benefit the grower financially, not just ecologically, but financially. And that, that's, I think, um, you know, inspiring. Yeah, so I, I think that in, in a sense that um, in general, when you're thinking about your production scale, it's a little different from the, uh, the, the, the corn and soybean production in the Mississippi River watershed because there's a clear uh, downstream and all the millions and millions of acres all drain to Mississippi River. And when you are thinking about your ex the spatial extent, your production externality, it's fairly, it's much local um, compared to that. Uh, that said, that the similar concept is uh, applies, and 
And I think that um, especially if you're thinking about, um, depending on where you are, that my my hometown area in in, in China actually there are there there's also a production scale as well that that once you uh, build a name brand name if you think about that you are the suppose that the um, that in in your in your in your states there are a cluster of growers all apply this and as Mark said that you develop this reputation and the labeling that then that potentially could bring you some of the commercial benefits as well that um, that but it's but it's it's the it's, as Mark said this is still um, still a understudied area in the sense that when you are looking at all the efficiency analysis that people typically don't um, even think about these sort of issues although they um, this is increasingly important because um, as growers, we often don't think that how how disconnected the general public now are with their food. But if you think about the general population, that uh, almost a little over 1% of the entire US population um, it, are farmers, right? So even if you count all their family members and friends, so only probably less than 3% or less than 5% have uh, some remote knowledge of what uh, app, how like how big typically is an apple orchard beyond the apple orchard they go to with their kids and to pick pick apples in the fall uh they they most people don't know what the uh, corn corn and soybean grows like and until they're like uh, ready for picking so this is your way of thinking about that. How do you communicate with your consumers? And they increasingly don't don't necessarily know about these uh, issues, but they hear news about the dicamba and all the other issues that they think about that the the the, the agricultural production is polluting the rivers and the um, the the cows are farting are causing climate change, right? So this is a this is your chance to think about that uh, how uh, whether and how big your externality is and whether this this is then you are uh, by by testing some of the newer technology like the one that we're 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 looking at in cppm project and i think that you're showing that you're you're a responsible uh, player in the society that you're thinking more holistically about your production not just your um uh, profitability well, thanks, Wendong. This has been really interesting and and uh, just a wonderful mesh of of, uh, of disciplines and your experience, you know, at the uh, at the uh, um, scale of of large watersheds. I mean, huge watersheds and and some smaller. I think really comes to the fore here to to think about this in a really holistic manner. So, uh, really appreciate your your time. Uh, we've been talking to Dr. Wendong Zhang, an associate. Uh, professor and uh, extension economist at, at Iowa State University. Thanks again, Wendong. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. You can find more episodes in the series at our website. The link is www.smartapplespray.plantpath.com.
www.iastate.edu. That's www.smartapplespray.plantpath.iastate.edu. The host for this series is Mark Gleason. Jose Gonzalez is the editor. The Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series is funded by a grant from USDA's Crop Protection and Pest Management Initiative. For more information about the two-state project, contact either Mark Gleason at mgleason at iastate.edu or Melanie Lewis Ivy, ivy.14 at osu.edu in Ohio. Thank you. Thank you.